Welcome to Write It In. This is Matt. And I'm Rachel. So today our episode uh, is a couple of recordings that Matt did while he was on his trip to New York. So you heard us talk about it maybe in the last episode. Well, if you haven't, the last episode is about that. Uh, but now we have Matt's uh, actual feet on the ground uh, recordings from the weekend of February 5th when he was in New York checking out the, well, all the museums, basically. Yeah. So I, we're actually going to split them into two. So oh, okay. episodes two and three will be February, Friday, February 4th, and Saturday, February 5th. And I sort of did a travelogue yep. recording, which was just sort of my thoughts at the end of the day. You can hear that I'm very, very tired during them. Um, but maybe getting back to the roots of what this podcast was originally about, which was sort of those daily recordings or semi-daily, semi-daily recordings yeah. during uh, during the actual trip to get our... Or what is it called? Thoughts in the moment. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Hot read. Hot take. Or hot take. A, yeah. Or hot. Oh, I was going to sing a hot blooded thing, but like <laughs> I think I think I'm not going to. I'll save you all, listeners, from my singing. Uh, so, in line with that, uh, the next couple episodes will likely be oh. my hot takes from yeah. uh, Ohio, West Virginia, and Maryland, where I am going tomorrow, uh, and I'm going to hopefully have some guests. Uh, podcasters with me mm-hmm. uh, since you know as we said last time we're kind of traveling separately right now to keep someone at home with the cat yeah uh, plus this is you know a, a ladies trip and a ladies research trip so. yeah so what do you think we'll probably do a pre-wrap-up show for episode four with the two of us talking about it yeah sometime after you get back and then we'll post release yeah, we'll release a couple of yeah, a couple of our conversational podcasts with the uh, with friends. So instead of a conversation between two married people, it'll be a conversation between some not married people yep. who also like each other. True. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I hope you enjoy. Um, I look forward to hearing about your trip when you get back. Yeah. Welcome to Rain It In. This is Matt, and unfortunately I don't have Rachel. This is a, I suppose, retconned episode two from season four with uh, my solo travels from New York City's my direct response to them. Hopefully episode one, we've talked about them together, and we'll see how this goes. All right, thanks. Right, so solo traveling is sort of curious. I enjoy that I have more time in my head, more space to sort of exist in a place, but definitely not as much fun as spending time with Rachel and experiencing things, things with her. But this time around, we went ahead and, well, I went ahead, um, I'd read a New York Times article with about Jasper Johns's retrospective at the Whitney, uh, and I remember seeing a number of of Jasper Johns's gray paintings in other museums over the last bunch of years, and being moved by them. And when I read the article, I thought, "Wow, I'd really like to go check this out." And I, you know, looked up on the website, and of course, it was ending mid-February 
So I said to Rachel, you know, man, it would be really nice to be able to go to that. But with life and us, you know, being the caretakers of a sick cat, it just didn't make sense for both of us to go. Rachel has a couple different trips coming up this spring for herself, one for work. Well, both kind of for work, one for friends and one for work slash friends. And the. And so she said, hey, why don't you just go? And, you know, this was mid-January at that point. I went ahead, looked at tickets, decided to book it. So right now I'm in New York City. Kind of strange to be in New York City on my own. Um, I, I grew up in upstate New York. And, you know, Rachel and I have been back to New York City. Or we've been to New York City, I think, twice together. And this is probably about my sixth or seventh time um, separate from Rachel. And, uh, it's definitely my first time coming to New York City on my own. And it's, it's been sort of interesting. So, uh, you know, the morning of my trip, which was the weekend of the 4th, 5th, and 6th of February, woke up at about six o'clock in the morning, took a shower and, uh, already had my bag packed, got everything jammed into one backpack. Um, you know, pretty easy to get three, Three days of clothes in a backpack. I had a battery backup for my phone. Had a multitude of masks. Needed to have a picture of my um, vaccination card. And also I have my vaccination card because I, it was kind of nice. There's been a bunch of places that I had to show my vaccine card to get in, which is not what happens in Atlanta. Occasionally you have like a concert or something like that where they do that, but... Uh, I had two different restaurants where I had to show my vaccine card before I could get in. And um, so I left left midtown Atlanta um, around 7 o'clock in the morning, jumped on our MARTA, which is our mass transit, and took it to the airport, jumped on a plane, took a short, I think it was an hour and a half, not quite two-hour flight to LaGuardia, and, you know, Decided, I sort of balked at the idea of taking mass transit into Manhattan, mostly because it was going to take over an hour, and I had to negotiate a bus and a train, and with COVID, I just wasn't sure about being underground, and so I splurged and got a got a car service, got a lift, and uh, had them drop me off at uh, the Museum of Modern Art, uh, MoMA in in uh in New York City. So sorry, I went from Midtown Atlanta to Midtown New York City. The uh, Midtown Manhattan, I suppose, which is the original Midtown for the United States and um checked out the MoMA. Now, the thing that I was a little bit surprised about with the MoMA, wow, this is so weird to do this as a monologue instead of a dialogue with Rachel. But the piece that was a little bit interesting at the MoMA was I sort of assumed that I would be able to check my bag. So I had just a backpack, but it was a reasonably heavy backpack, and it was definitely a full backpack. And I was hoping I'd be able to check it and just wander around the museum. But I got there and, you know, probably a little bit of COVID, probably a little bit of who knows what, um, you know, post 9-11, I suppose. God, it's been so long since 9-11. But the... 
uh, coat check was closed. So I had to carry my backpack. Not a big deal, except for it was kind of heavy. Uh, but the second problem was they want you to carry your backpack on your front. So heads up, if you're heading to New York City, if you're heading to the MoMA, uh, don't expect to find a coat check. Don't expect to find a baggage check there. Um, so if you're carrying around a bunch of luggage, you're either not going to be able to go in or you're going to have to lug it around with you on your chest. So it was a little tough. My backpack was a little cumbersome for the for wearing in the front, so I sort of had it on like a one shoulder one and carrying it like a baby. Um, just fine, but my shoulders are probably going to be really sore tomorrow and the day after. Uh, MoMA, always amazing. I They had a number of temporary exhibits there that were interesting. I don't know if any of them blew my mind, but the... You, you may not may or may not be able to get there before they're gone. I don't remember when they're gone, but there's two on the first floor. Um, I am terrible. I don't remember their names because, uh, you know, we record our podcast without editing. This is all sort of stream of consciousness, and I can't look it up. But there was an artist who did these collages, collections downstairs. Um, he had a bunch of images that were all put together and just massive, covering the you know, almost two stories of walls. But what I found even more interesting was, I think it's a he, um, had these ceramic sort of mashups of decals and glaze. And it looked like using like styrofoam containers and other kind of refuse as molds for clay so there were sort of these like clay amalgamations of things that had like advertising and lustrous glazes and just sort of gross, but also overwhelming advertising-ness. Those were really fascinating. I, I need to look up that artist's name and look at them further, but I was kind of inspired by trying to think about some of the things I've done a little bit with my clay on that. Um, they also had some really interesting black clay tiles that had inclusions of uh, pieces of other clay and pieces of other things in it, which are not dissimilar to some of the stuff that I've done with my um, sort of black, red, and white clay mixing. Uh, they were more effective and not having warping and things looking like crap. Um, but uh, but that was interesting. But even more interesting was this like architecture section. It was pretty small. It was just one room about recycled materials and architecture in China. And there was some fascinating pieces in there. The things that were most interesting to me was this building that they'd sort of turned into a courtyard. I don't really understand how the living spaces work. They almost looked like they were like weird one room, all window sort of spaces. Sorry, I've got the window open here. You might be hearing horns. Um, and, but what, <laughs> but what was more interesting about that one was they had like architectural drawings. They had three dimensional renderings that you could look at. They had, 
a lot of different ways. They were showing what it looked like and then some text to talk about it. But what I thought was really interesting, they had a, a cement mock-up of what it looked like. And I thought that was pretty cool. And then on the other side of that, there was another building. I don't think they did justice to what was happening. I don't remember where in China it was, but it was a building where they used... Like, they made it just sound like it was pieces of glaze on tile that was creating the outside. But any potter who went in there knows what that was. was was like glazed test tiles. And they used glazed test tiles that were like one inch by two inches to cover the outside of the building. Like, that was the facade of the building. The building was glazed test tiles. Like, I... I think that's fascinating to look at all the stuff. Like I've worked in a few different studios over my life and and there's always glazed test tiles. Like as an artist, you make them because you might be making your own glaze recipes. You might just want to know what the, you know, the studio glazes look like. And they're, you know, the, the thing is, if you're not mixing your own glazes, you're getting questionable results especially if you're in like a like a school studio where people are mixing things and contaminating glazes but um you know even if you're using jars i don't know jars are supposed to be consistent but they're still a little bit different but i think you know it it is sort of like a necessary waste that happens in ceramics that is sort of beautiful in its own way and if you could have a standardized size of that which is what it seems like was happening with this building is you know if you have an industrial ceramic studio they're probably all going to be the same size glaze test and i think it's really interesting and cool to use things that would basically be trash that just looks neat from the outside it also reminds me of a house rachel and i owned in bowling green ohio that was stucco but it was stucco that had all these pieces of glass like shards but i can't even call them glass shards because it wasn't like broken bottles it was more like just little scraps of glass because that area of northwest ohio is known for their glass toledo is the glass city they've got an amazing glass museum we've talked about it before If you ever happen to be in Toledo, you absolutely need to go to the Toledo Art Museum. It is such a beautiful museum. Its charter is that it is a free museum, and they've got an amazing glass space in there, and it's definitely worth checking out. Um, So we had this house that was stuccoed with these little, you know, like quarter-inch by quarter-inch flecks of glass, and it was, you know, different colors and different lusters that were in there. And it made the house look pretty neat. And so I could see even more if you had a regular shape of a, you know, one inch by two inch little tiles that were in the whole outside. Oh, that'd be so interesting. I just am fascinated by that. Um, and then there was another one too in another part of China that they had kind of reclaimed, not reclaimed, that's not right. They, they built this museum using traditional shapes from kilns but they were sort of a specific type of kiln that were more like a I don't, this is going to be impossible to describe it was sort of an arch but a really long arch so it sort of looked like I don't even know how to describe it but um, 
I'm, I'm failing at this one because it's a little bit late at night. The, um, but similar to the cement mock-up of the other one that I mentioned, this one had a really interesting, um, you know, scale model. We always, we're used to seeing scale models in like foam core or maybe like cardboard or plastic or something or acrylic. Um, but this was a, the scale mock-up was in porcelain and it just looked beautiful. And like, I, I like when the thing which is not the, you know, a mock-up, a scale model is not a, a throwaway, but something that is not the final deliverable when it is, you know, it's sort of the, the example when the example or something like that is, is created, which is given the care similar to the final product, right? So the final product was obviously not ceramic or was not porcelain like arches. It was these like two story arches made out of brick, but to resemble traditional kilns of China. And I just, yeah, I thought the mock-up in, in porcelain was great. So those were the two things. That was the last two things I saw in the MoMA. Um, the other things that always surprise me in the MoMA is just how many famous images you have seen. If you've ever gone, if you've been an art student and gone to, done art history classes, you have seen these in every single book. And if you are not a former art student or art history student, you've seen them in posters, you've seen them in plenty of places. And it's so many of the most iconic examples of artists from the Western world at the MoMA. And it makes me wonder, are they iconic because they're in the MoMA and the MoMA has enough influence that those are the ones that we think of as being most representative? Or... Was the MoMA just successful enough in buying enough of these? Um, you know, there's, you know, it's, it's laid out very well. Um, this is the first time I was to the most recent remodel. But, uh, you know, one of my friends, uh, Joe, said, you should go to the MoMA just, if nothing else, to see the Starry Night in person. And it reminded me when I, when I, you know, I hunted down Starry Night to make sure I saw it. It reminds me of the time I saw um, Persistence of Memory by Salvador Dali. I don't even remember where I saw that. It was in New York City somewhere. It was probably at the MoMA. Um, and it was so much smaller than I expected because you always see it in giant poster form. And, and Starry Night, like my most... Uh, the, the image that stands with me the most... And this is terrible, but there's a giant like story and a half tall mural of Starry Night in Fort Collins, Colorado in a, you know, perfectly fine coffee shop in Fort Collins, Colorado. But when you see Starry Night in person, it's pretty small. I don't want to say it's disappointing. It's definitely not these massive multi-story projections of Van Gogh or uh, Monet, right? Because I saw also the some of his lilies that are in the MoMA. And they're beautiful. But I, I'm really more struck by 
the pieces that I don't expect to see there. Um, I can't remember her name. Oh, this is the worst part about not having researched this. Um, I, I saw, actually both Rachel and I saw um, this artist in Atlanta and then her, the same piece was here in the MoMA and it it is a like metal frame that has cloth and wire. Oh, I'm going to have to look it up and post it to, to Instagram, but um, just the, the, the pieces that you don't see in posters that in like college dorm rooms are the pieces that I was so much more interested in seeing and always remembering that, uh, Brock is, if that's even how you say it, is, I consistently seems, and Juan Gris even more, better than Picasso. Like, Picasso was the big name, and he had all these things, but there's just, seems to be an essence in some of these other artists that aren't the biggest names that just speak to me a little bit better. Um, so, obviously, I don't know, that's a big ramble about the MoMA. Cannot recommend enough going to the MoMA. It's going to take you forever. My feet are killing me from walking around, um, but well worth it. Um, the other parts of things that happened in day one, I'll try to wrap this up. I should probably take a break here. But um, but yeah, so I took, took a, a lift from LaGuardia to MoMA, and then from MoMA, I walked back to my hotel, which is sort of kind of in the between Chelsea and Koreatown um, in Manhattan. It's like, the, well, it's the Cambria Hotel, but it's the like 28th and 6th. Uh, 28th Street and 6th Avenue? Maybe it's 6th Avenue and 28th Street? There's, there's a way you say that that's proper. And um, it was a very wet walk. So we had a big winter storm today. I walked in torrential downpour rain at, at times. Ah, not torrential downpour. It's not like Atlanta. Atlanta pours in a, in a way that I don't remember happening in, in New York when I lived in upstate New York as a kid. Um it had it a little bit more in Ohio where it just rained so hard you just can't see. It wasn't that bad. It was a heavy rain. Um, my backpack that had all my clothes got a little bit wet because even with an umbrella, it wasn't enough. But um, on the way back to my hotel, I stopped off at 505 Fifth West 5th Avenue. Um, and there's a lobby to a building that has a James Terrell. And it was pretty cool. Uh, they apologized that... Uh, February is uh, Cancer Awareness Month, so it's pink for the whole month. And um, I was fine, just fine in pink. But I think it, it rotates through colors if it's not if it's not pink. Uh, if you're in uh, Manhattan and you're interested at all at, in light and space art, if you know who James Terrell is, definitely check out 505 uh, West 5th Avenue pretty interesting for sure it was fun just to walk in the staff there was pretty cool um there is another it's called three soras i think it's called that is i've only seen the pictures of it online it's in some secret midtown uh manhattan corporate office and i emailed the sort of design firm that that did the installation of the Terrell for this, this, whoever this business is. 
And I was just asked, you know, there's no way you can share where this is. And they sort of indicated that, like, legally they are not, they are not allowed to say where it is. Um, I would love to find out what it is because it looks really, really interesting. It looks like it's a two-story Terrell. Ah, man, which is so interesting. Um, if you don't know who James Terrell is, I encourage you to check it out. You, if you live in a city, you maybe have a, a, a James Terrell there. We've talked about James Terrell in the past. Uh, in Nashville, there's a pretty interesting one. There's a fantastic one in Phoenix. Uh, we've got a friend who works at the, the museum there in um, uh, Scottsdale, Scotts whatever. Um, again, sorry, I'm not doing any research. All stream of consciousness is here. But, uh, but yeah, James Terrell, definitely check him out. Like, the first time I saw him was in Denver probably 15 years ago. Uh, the just a big square that floats on a wall, basically. And you walk into a dark room. I remember watching it, uh, looking at it with my brother. We sat in the back and we're just sort of taking it in and also taking in the other visitors that would come in and look around and get frustrated because it was, you know, it's just a dark room. It looks stupid if you don't know what you're looking for. And they would get frustrated and leave. Uh, totally appreciate that stance. But, you know, James Terrell is a thing that if you can give him a moment and sort of experience it like I find it pretty fascinating um all right wow we're at 22 minutes I'm gonna keep on barreling through the uh this is all day one New York City um after I got back at the hotel I ran back out I went out I got a really interesting dinner at uh Izakaya Mew M-E-W I don't know if you say Mew um fun place it would have been so much more interesting with Rachel the food was good. I wish I could have tried even more different foods, uh, different things. I got this eggplant that was like a red miso, super roasted eggplant. It was just they served it with a spoon, and it was just soft, and it had ginkgo nuts. The first time I've had ginkgo nuts, and um, some raw scallops on it, and uh, that was fantastic. I had some. It was called the Mew Chicken, which was sort of a karage, slightly sweet and sour. That was really, really good. Um, it just, it was just unctuous and fried chickeny with a little bit of super fine, fine shredded cabbage that was just a nice pairing. Uh, had some other just straight up raw scallops that were pretty good. Not surprisingly, not as good as the scallops that we had when we were in Awamori, Japan. If you're interested at all, if you're actually listening this far, I can't believe I'm talking this long. Um, check out our old episodes from season one. The whole reason we started this podcast was because we wanted to document our trip to um, Japan. We started out in New York City on episode one and two of our podcast, and then we pretty much dove into going to Japan when we went to in 2019. We had amazing multiple episodes in there encourage you to check that out i like to listen to them again just to remind ourselves of the the fun times we had um if you ever have the opportunity to eat scallops in northern japan definitely do it raw scallops they will be a level of amazingness that i can't describe and uh uh, after the izakaya i went to i went to the empire state building like I said, this is probably, I don't know, sixth or eighth time that I've been to New York City. I've never been to the Empire State Building. 
I bought tickets before I left Atlanta, and I was not thinking. I knew it was going to be raining and potentially snowing when I got to New York City. And I bought tickets anyway, because I wanted, it was kind of near my hotel, and I wanted something else to do in the evening that wasn't too difficult. And then I regretted it because when I was walking around in the afternoon, you could not see any of the tops of the buildings, and I was sure that I was going to go up to the Empire State Building and see nothing but clouds. Um, miraculously, sometime in the after, couple hours after sunset, the sky cleared up. I went into the Empire State Building. It was better than I could have ever imagined. There was probably 20 of us in the whole upstairs of the building. So there's all sorts of things on the internet about long lines and getting express passes. I ended up going in an hour early. Nobody cared. I walked straight up, got on the elevator, walked through the little like tour area, almost kind of wish there was a line so I could have experienced some of the um, exhibits that you walk through before you go up the elevators. But it was, it was great. It was so fucking cold upstairs. There was ice caked on all the, the uh, fencing that keeps you from falling off the 86th floor outdoor uh, observatory deck. And a, bunch of folks from uh, Ireland were there. I talked to a couple of uh, kids from Dublin, um, a few other people from other places too, but the, uh, the views are just amazing. And I'm always reminded how much I love cities. Like there's a reason we live in midtown Atlanta, which granted Atlanta is not New York city. It is not Tokyo, but there's so much going on there. Like we can walk from our house to a, variety of places to eat to do things and get around and it's just fun and I like I just like that people can get to get along and live on top of each other in a way that works for the most part it's also just seems like an amazing level of hubris that you just can't imagine why we would build buildings so tall but at the same time that it's ridiculous, it's also wonderful. Um, yeah, I don't know. This whole trip so far, this is 27 minutes without a break. This might be episode two. Maybe tomorrow is going to be our the uh, the retroactive episode three. But um, yeah, just it's fun being around. I don't know. Um, eat, ate some food, drank some drinks, and checked out some sites tomorrow. I'm meeting up with my friend John, who was actually supposed to be in our second episode of the podcast, but we messed up the recording, so I don't think he actually made it in. Maybe he made it in a little bit, um, but I'm going to be going to the Whitney to see the Jasper Johns retrospective uh, with John, maybe checking out the Highline a little bit, just hanging out a little bit, and I'm looking forward to my day two in New York City. So I hope you're out there. I hope you're being safe. hope... Um, I don't know, you're finding ways to keep strong and keep interested in uh, your day-to-day and putting one foot in front of the other and finding ways to kind of break out of the the norms. And uh, I don't know, if you've been to New York City, if by some miraculous chance you can help me get into that super secret James Terrell in, in uh, Mid- Midtown Manhattan, like, please reach out to me. I would love to, I would make a trip back just for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, 
Uh, thank you for listening. I'll give my James Hoffman. Thank you for listening, and uh, uh, I hope you have a good day. Thank you. You can check us out at anchor.fm slash reinitin. That's spelled R-E-I-N-I-T-I-N. All one word, no spaces. And you can leave us a message there. You can also follow us at Instagram at reinitin underscore podcast or email us at reinitin at ssdpress.org. Also spelled R-E-I-N-I-T-I-N at s-s-d-p-r-e-s-s dot org. Thanks again to all of our friends and family for all the support and for putting up with us. Have a great day.